Last week, we looked at a prayer that Jonah offered, and it was Jonah running to God. Okay, so he was moving in the right direction now that God had his attention and put him in the uh, belly of the great fish. We sometimes talk about the whale, but the great fish is what the scriptures talk about. So today, we come to chapter 3, and this is a change of preposition, I guess. We would say this is Jonah running with God when he finally decides, okay, God, let's do this. So Jonah chapter 3, we'll read the portion of scripture, and then we'll dig into this uh, story today. The scriptures say, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. We come back again today to Jonah. Once Jonah gets his direction straight, instead of running from God, and once he realizes his absolute dependence on God running to him, God could use Jonah as his messenger to deliver his message in a powerful way. So we're going to go to Nineveh. Now, it won't do us a a lot of good to do a historical dive into Nineveh and its history and background and how big it was at this point in time. All of those things are rather speculative in some way. Uh, but Nineveh was the, was the mission field for Jonah. It was, the, it was the place that God asked him to go. 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what Nineveh's looked like in our world, but uh, but there are some things that come clear as you read through this story from Jonah chapter three and Jonah finally getting on the run with God. First thing that I want us to get a picture of is that we see Jonah ran with a renewed mission, a renewed mission. Sometimes uh, in our journey, uh, particularly when a person comes to faith in Christ and the lights go on and things make sense and they find their life changed, <clears throat> there's an initial enthusiasm that comes with that. And it's like, like Christmas maybe for you, where, where things just come alive. But the longer you go in that journey, sometimes it is the hardest thing to maintain that because we tend to ten, have a tendency to just kind of slip back to old habits. And, and maybe uh, maybe when you come to faith in Christ, uh, you, you, you really, his word comes alive for you and you love that and you dig into it. But after you keep on going on and then you run back into problems and stuff, you sometimes you the word gets neglected or the prayer gets neglected or fellowship with other Christ followers or Christ uh, disciples it gets neglected. And sometimes you could just kind of drift back instead of moving ahead. But Jonah runs with a renewed mission here. The verses one and two, verse one in particular starts, <clears throat> says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He served a God of second chances. <clears throat> Down in the Harrisburg area, while we were pastoring at the Lions Church in New Cumberland, on the West Shore, we became aware of a, a ministry that was developed um, that was called Second Chance Ministry. Second Chance Ministry. And primarily, it was focused on prison-related situations, people that were in jail, uh, now uh, come out and to uh, try to avoid some of the recidivism that occurs in terms of relapsing and going back into stuff. Uh, there was this second chance ministry and uh, the, the fellow that, that started it had a very good track record in terms of connecting with these prisoners, these former inmates, and trying to help them integrate back into society and get to a better spot and to avoid the pitfalls that would land them back in or that landed them in initially. I like the, the title, Second Chance Ministry. And I think that's true that God does give to us second chances and third chances and subsequent chances. But he's a God who keeps after us and longs for us to follow after him. A second time. Jonah got a second chance. But not everyone in the Bible got a second chance. I know that when we preach, we say he's a God of the second chance. But there are some stories where that second chance was not there. For instance... Ask Ananias and Sapphira. They, in the book of Acts, we already looked at some of that. They sold a portion of ground, and and they and Ananias comes in and 
says, well, I, uh, this, I, I'm following the cue of Barnabas. Uh, I, I'm, I'm giving you this land. And, 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 and the Spirit of God revealed to Peter that he was not being truthful about it. And he was lying against the Holy Spirit. And he died that day. That, that, uh, that was a dangerous day to go to church that day if you're Ananias. And, and to compound the problem, his wife Sapphira comes in and she kind of colludes in that whole thing. And so there's two funerals that occur that day. Didn't get a second chance. Didn't say, oops, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to, to stretch the truth or color the truth or embellish the truth. Uh, uh, give me another shot at this thing. Instead, it just occurs. Um, you story, the story in Genesis of Abraham's nephew Lot and his wife fleeing Sodom. And the command or instruction is, don't turn around and look. She turns around and looks, and the scriptures record that she's turned into a pillar of salt. There was no, oops, I'm sorry I looked. Give me another shot at this thing. Sometimes second chances are not always there. King Saul was removed from his kingship for his sinful rebellion. It didn't, it didn't always go well. But God is able to give a second chance. In, these, in this case with Jonah, it doesn't mean, however, that he's always going to give us a second chance. And so we have to be careful that we have our theology in balance. And someone could read the story of Jonah and say, well, it doesn't matter whether I obey the first time because I'll get a second chance. Not necessarily so. Don't presume. Here's the word. Don't presume on God's grace. Keep truth in balance. Um, we used to sing an old hymn, um, almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive. Seems now my soul to say some more convenient day, some more convenient day on thee I'll call. And we assume that that kind of thing will be coming around again. And by God's grace, he may. But when God begins to speak to your heart and brings truth to you and starts to open up your heart, don't minimize that work. Don't push that off when his, when his claims are upon, upon you. I have songs that go through my head all the time. So, so here's another song that goes through my head. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him time after time? Yes. And now he is waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Revelation 3.20 that we started with. Oh, how he wants to come in. So always be sensitive to the prompting of the Spirit of God. He is a God who gives second chances. He runs with that renewed mission. He also served a God with a message. Verse 2, put it this way, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. He, he doesn't even have the full picture of what that message is to look like. 
But down in verse 4, Jonah begins, goes through the city, a day's journey, and he calls out, and here's the message. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He begins that process. That's it. That's the message. Eight words in English, four in Hebrew. They, they, it's, it's that simple. It's not, it's not God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. This is like, boom, right there. It's not Nineveh for Jesus. It's not say yes, Nineveh. It is 40 days and judgment. Destruction is coming. Nineveh is going to be overthrown. That's the message. Now, now, if 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 you were if I if you were if I were Jonah, and and that was the message that I was proclaiming, and that was the heart of the message. God, isn't there something else you want me to say than that? I mean, isn't there some other portion of truth that can kind of soften the impact of that message? We could kind of let's kind of tone it down a little bit. Let's massage this message a little bit. But this was the message that God asked Jonah to give. And it was a tough message. It was a hard message. It was a truthful message that God gave to him. He served a God with a message. I will tell you this, that the message of the scripture is always clear for us to declare to those whom God puts in our circle of influence. He, he gives us the opportunity to connect with people. Sometimes they are in our network of people. Sometimes they are people that just God brings to us. Jesus talks about in the New Testament, uh, when he sends his disciples out, he says, as you go, he says, I want you to watch for a man of peace. It's the person that I've prepared their heart to receive the truth of God's word. And you'll be watching for that person because I've done all the work and all they need to do is get the truth to them, get the message to them and see how he's going to orchestrate work in the lives of people. God always has a message for us to share. He also served a God who desires obedience. Verse 3 put it this way, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Uh, okay, so here it comes one more time. When God tells you what to do, you better do it. You better do it. You better do it. It doesn't pay to disobey. That's all there's to it. Like old Jonah, you'll find out the hard, hard way. He served a God who desired obedience. The thing that I revel in or delight in is this truth, that Jonah's disobedience hasn't canceled the call that God had for him to do. Because Jonah didn't get it right the first time, didn't nullify the challenge that was there, the mission that was still there. He served a God with renewed mission. God doesn't hold grudges. He's the God who abundantly pardons sinners when they come to him. He demonstrates his grace by renewing his call on Jonah's life. He doesn't hold grudges. He doesn't lighten the load. 
The other part is equally true. It's not as if God has said, okay, Jonah, I get it. You don't want to go to Nineveh, so I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll, I'll let you take my word to Tarshish. That's okay. You pick that place out since that's where you're going anyway. God does not negate the call he has upon Jonah. He doesn't lighten the load. God doesn't negotiate when we rebel against him. God gives Jonah the second chance that he to do what he should have done the first time. When God gives you that opportunity, take advantage of it. Run with it. This is life on the run. You don't know when that thing's going to come around again. I don't know if you saw the commercial uh, for uh, uh, one of these insurance companies. It's the one with the ostrich. What is that? Huh? Yeah, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty Mutual. The guy, the guy with the mobile and the ostrich, whether it's a car or a motorcycle or whatever, you know. And there was one commercial that he did, that they did, where he was lamenting the lost person that he wasn't able to sell an insurance policy for him because the guy had earbuds in or something like that. Got off the floor and he said, "Oh!" And he lamented the fact that he wasn't able to sell that guy some insurance customized for him. You know, you never know the opportunities when God gives them to you. He may bring it around again, but he may, I, 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 I kind of envision God saying, uh, you know, you're the, you're the servant. You've got the message. And I'm going to bring across your pathway this week somebody that's a God-prepared person. I've been working. I've been trying to get their attention. I've got their attention. Now they're open to me. They're curious about me. They're wanting to know truth about me. And I'm looking for somebody as the messenger to get to the person who has the need for that message. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to orchestrate some things that come about in life, and you're going to meet them. What are you going to do with that opportunity? Now, I, I'm not talking about hammering them with the gospel, whether they're ready or not. It's just sometimes it's more an issue of, Sensing, God, are you in the midst of this? Are they ready? Are they prepared? Don't try to pick unripe fruit. I think it was a phrase Don used last year. But you, you've got to you, you've got to be ready to be able to be used by him. And he longs to use it. He gives us the chance. He doesn't give up on us. He cares more for the worker than he does for the work. And if all God cared about was Nineveh, he could have gotten somebody else. But he was in, interested equally in Jonah. He wanted Jonah to confront the evil in his own heart and to see something of the great love inside God's heart. And so he kept after that. He sets out for Nineveh each step, each step setting him on a collision course between his prejudices, Ninevites' arrogance, and the unlimited love of God. And that's where we see Jonah going with that renewed mission. Second thing, we see that Jonah ran to a needy people. He ran to a needy people. And it's described in verses 3 through 9, the great city and how large it is. And, and the people of Nineveh and, and the things that, you know, you have the Jonah chapter 1. And wickedness has come up against me. I need you to go and, and, and confront that. But they were a needy people. A couple things about it. They were an important people. 
Uh, verse 3 says, Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. This was, it was a metropolis area. It was, it, was, it was the place of influence, culture, politics, even religion probably to some degree. But the point is that they were an important people. And I, I, would, I would only say this, that God has Ninevehs all over the place. It wasn't that it was just all that special, but, and that was, it was large, that's cool. But there are little hamlets and there are big places, but they're all, in one sense, Ninevehs. They are a place where people need God. A long time ago, there was a song, uh, again, People Need the Lord. People need the Lord. Every day I pass, you know, pass me by, I can see it in their eyes, lonely faces filled with, filled with fear, heading who knows where. On they go through private pain. Uh, da, 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 da. But the refrain of it, yeah. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. And so God gives this message of Jonah to a needy people, important people. The people that God puts in your world, in your circle of influence, are needy people. There are so many things that, that become part of the needs of people. Sometimes they emotional need and sometimes physical need, material need. There can be all kinds of needs that we have. But the deepest need is the spiritual need. It's that hole in the heart that God has put there, that he longs to have filled with the message of truth of the gospel of Jesus that can change them. You can feed a man, but you may not result in the eternal safety and salvation of that person. And you can do those kinds of things. You can, you can do it a mission, you can do it a neighborhood work, whatever it may be. But the point is that there are people in need, and we have opportunity to relate to the varieties of need. But never forget that this people... The people around you, the needy people around you, important people around you, need the message. Need the message of the love of God that's in Christ. Can't, can't substitute it, can't forget it. They were a responsive people also, verses 5 through 9, and it's amazing. I mean, I'm trying to envision in, in Jonah's shoes as they're drying out from being in the great fish or sand or whatever. Okay. As he's going along uh, and, and he preached that message, I'm wondering if Jonah thought, ah, these people are so far gone, they're not going to stand a chance. I'll go ahead and do it. I'll go ahead and do it. I, I, matter of fact, I kind of like that message. Uh, you know, uh, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Those heathens, they deserve it. They, did it. they are going to get their comeuppance. They're going to get what they deserve. They're going to get their just desserts. And that's going to happen to them. And he's probably saying, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. I'm going to be sitting in front row seat. Chapter 4 says he goes out the outside to see what's going to happen. He's probably just absolutely delighted that they're going to get blasted. He's a, he's a, he's a, a person who knows God and knows pagan people out there are going to burn. And he's probably inside saying, yeah, I'm better than they are. But they respond. They respond. 
There's a verse in Isaiah 55 I want to read for you, and, and don't ever forget this concept. Here's what the scriptures say. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Wonderful portion, Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. The greatest revival in history happens because of a one-sentence sermon preached by a prophet who didn't even want to be there, who was hoping for destruction, and who hated the people he was preaching to. That is not the, the, the typical element for a pastoral call. God, I don't want to go to Wilkesburg. I hate those people there. I don't like being there. That just, that's not the way we normally think it that way. But what are the chances of that revival happening? Without God, the chances are zero. Without God. Why did it happen? It wasn't because of Jonah. He didn't even want to be there. How could this happen in a pagan city like Nineveh? It happened because of the two greatest words in the Bible. But God. But God. When it's all boiled down, it's about God. It's about him. The response of people affected the followership. Verse 5 says the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. It affected the leadership, verses 6 through 9. So the road reaches the king and he makes an edict. He declares, this is what we're going to do. And in that corporate resolution, he says, turn to God sackcloth and ashes, whatever may be needed. Let everyone, verse 8 says, turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Nine, who knows? God may turn and relent, turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. God runs, or Jonah runs, to a needy people. One final piece. Jonah runs, Jonah runs, for a God of mercy, a God of mercy. Verse 10 said, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, he relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. A couple things. God saw their deeds and repentance. He saw what they did and how they turned. And really, that's the story of every man. You know, God orchestrates your life journey, and maybe he brings you to a point where you suddenly discover the truth or the claims of Christ and his word to you, and you read that in the book, in the Bible, and you see that, and you make a choice. God sees what you're doing. He knows all about you, knows your need, and sees how you turn from your evil ways. You make your turn toward God. We call that repentance where we make that 180-degree change and move toward God instead of away from him. He saw their deeds and their repentance. God showed compassion on them. The end of verse 10, he relented of the disaster 
that he would do to them. And God deferred his destruction. He didn't do it. Now, Jesus has some things to say about Jonah in the New Testament. Consider these words, Luke eleven thirty two. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now, and now one greater than Jonah is here. One greater than Jonah is here. Uh, you can listen to the stories of Jonah. You can watch the sight and sound presentation of Jonah. You can, you can do all of that kind of thing. But if you, if you are still on the outside looking in and have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the message of Jesus is true, that the, 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 the people of Nineveh would rise up at the judgment and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here today to bring his claims and his truth to you. The issue is, will you listen to that? Will you receive that? Will you embrace that truth and be embraced by the one who is the truth in the process as well? How much did the Ninevites know? Probably not too much, but give them credit. They believed God and acted on what they believed. They didn't have the whole thing. You may not know a whole lot. You may know a lot about God. You may know a lot about the Bible. You, you may have all that stuff. But you know, it's not how much you know. It's what you do with the truth that God gives to you. And what have you done with that? How much faith does it take to be saved? Not too much, as long as your faith is in the right object, in the right person. And... Another question that kind of pops up in relationship to this is, did this really happen? I mean, a whole city, from the followership to the leadership, turns to God, and he changes his direction in terms of the fierce anger that he had planned for them. Jonah 3 certainly presents it to us as a sober historical fact. And if this happened historically, around mid-8th century B.C., 765 years we can figure, how do we account for the fact that the Assyrians, not too long after that, attacked Israel and took the northern tribes captive for a generation, a generation later in 722? I, I guess I would say the answer is pretty simple, that that was Nineveh's moment, and the people of that generation responded, and even if it did not last to the next generation, the people who responded to Jonah's message were changed forever. Christianity is always one generation from extinction. It always has to be passed on to the next group. But it, God deferred his destruction upon that people because they repented and made the change. Here's the message Jonah's running with. So many days... And Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Destruction's coming. The people make their response. He runs for this God of mercy to a needy people, to a God who gives second chances to people. And they make their response. 
When we run with God, there are some amazing things that can happen. He can change the hardest of hearts by his power when people face their true condition and allow his Holy Spirit to cause that 180 degree change in them. That's amazing that that somebody could live their life and, and suddenly encounter the truth of God's word and it can change them. It can change their direction forever. It can change their destination forever. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of witness. That's the power of God set loose in the lives of people to make that directional change and and establish their forever home. The question is, are you running with God and his message today to those that he brings across your path? Are Are you walking around with the antenna up, sensitive to the people that God brings to you? And are you listening to the prompting of his voice that says, ask the leading question. See where they're at. See if I prepared their heart. If I haven't, that's okay. I've got somebody else in the process. But if I brought this person to you and all that is needed is to just engage them a bit to see where their heart is and see if they're ready, then that's what you do. I don't know. Is it peach season up here yet? Or is it past? Is not there yet? Okay. Well, one of these days, peach season is going to come in, and you're going to maybe you'll go to the orchard and you'll and you'll find that peach there. That's you don't want to pick it too soon. You want to pick it when it's ready, and then you take and it comes right off, which is wonderful. And then you get to peach peach cobbler and all those good things you do with peaches. But the point is, it's watching to see when it's ready, and then doing it. When God tells you what to do. You better do it. Are there areas in your life you need to address before you can run with him? Make your response just like those people in Nineveh who turned to God, repented of their ways, and saw the mercy of God and the grace of God released to them. Uh, Jonah is a story of every man who has the opportunity to run with God. Maybe you've been running from him. Maybe you're making the turn and you're really wanting to know more about God. You're going to move in that direction. You run to God. And now you get the chance to run with him as a messenger of the truth of God. All part of the story of Jonah. In the the material I sent to Frank that he'll send out probably later today, there are what what I've called drill-down questions just to kind of go deeper. And so uh, just so you know that it's out there and you can find it or you can get it sent to you, here's a couple questions. Jonah got a second chance at things. How did that response uh, this time differ? How did his response differ? Do we always get second chances? Second question, Jonah's message to the people of Nineveh contained eight words. How does that compare with our message today? What's so different now? How do you think that message caused such a response for the Ninevites. How could they make that change? Third question, what do you learn about the nature of God from Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10? Why is that important for us? And uh, so those are a few drill-down questions that you can interact with as you talk further about this with someone else or just kind of reflect on 
that truth of his word to you today. I want you to pause for prayer, and I just want to close in prayer today in a, in a little different little different manner. So let's join me as we pray. Now, Father, uh, in this series of, of the book of Jonah, we, we can, we're always taken up with a story. It's, it's a really interesting story, and it's a story of all of us, I guess, in one sense. Sometime we ran away from God. We just didn't want anything to do with him. And then you captured our attention. You got our attention. You drew us, drew us to yourself. For, for many people in this place today, they've already made that move toward God. But it's possible. It's possible that people can be lost in the church. And I believe that you always want to redeem us and pull us toward yourself. So, Father, uh, I, I want to pray today that your spirit would just continue to just keep keeping after us. If there's one here today that's that's trying to find you and looking for the truth, we believe your word is clear that to those who seek you, you will be found. They can discover God. They can discover the love of God in Christ. And so I pray, Father, today that you will stir in the hearts so that we will be certain of our eternal destination and the prospect of abundant life that we can have here and now. It would happen simply by making a prayer. Lord Jesus, I've been running from you. I've chosen to run now toward you. I choose to put my trust in you alone to save me from my sin and put me on a road to eternal life with you. By your great grace, we receive what you give to us. We embrace that truth and long today to be embraced by the giver of truth. Father, I ask that you will just continue to just keep nudging our hearts collectively, not only about coming to that place of faith, but also coming to the place of availability so we can be a messenger with a message to give to people who are needy. Use us, each one, in the place you've planted us, for the greater glory of God. In the name of Jesus the Christ, I pray today. Amen. Amen. Well, we encourage you to join with us as we take one more look at Jonah 4 next week. And I know this is something you do not have a problem with. But in case somebody else has a problem with it, you're going to need to be here for moral support because... We're going to talk about Jonah running ahead of God. I know you never get ahead of God. I know you're always listening, always obedient, never a problem. You never complain to God. You never second guess God and tell him what he thinks he ought to have done. But on the remote chance that you might run into somebody who would have that problem, you will have an answer next week as we gather together.